This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 278. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where, unlike Ted Cruz, we applaud Big Bird for getting vaccinated. Yeah, there was a whole Sesame Street hubbub. Don't look it up. That's the whole story, and it's awful. I am your host, Nagin Farsad. And just yesterday, I learned that crew and regatta were two different things. I honestly had no idea, and I have been using them interchangeably my entire life. Um, and I uh, had a moment of reckoning uh, yesterday um, that I'm someone who grew up in, la- in a landlocked desert. Uh, and that I was embarrassing myself this entire time by not knowing the difference, be- the difference between these two water-based elite sports. Today, we're going to talk about whether America should be doing more vocational learning. And we'll explain the phenomenon of hot streaks in a person's career. And we'll dig into the cultural grab bag to talk about toxic positivity, Aaron Rodgers, and Thanksgiving. Today, oh my god, I am so excited for today's panel. Uh, neither of them have been on this show, but why haven't they? Why haven't we made this happen yet? It's just another embarrassing thing I've learned about myself is that I haven't assembled this panel yet. Uh, She is a comedian who I have seen just absolutely obliterate audiences with her unending hilariousness. She has a special out on YouTube called Self Help Me. um, And it's actually like one of those specials that's been seen like a million times because she's so gosh darn awesome. It's Liz Mealy. Hey, Liz. Hi. And we have with us uh, a comedian who performs all around. He's also host of the podcast Unhappy Hour, which I have just had the pleasure of doing such a fun show. It's the one and only Matt Bellisai. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, hello, you guys. I'm so excited. Um, oh, folks, before we get into the show, I just want to remind everyone that they can support the show for as little as $1 a month. What? It can't be true, but it is uh, by going to patreon.com slash Farsad, and then for as little as $4, um, which is just like a nice Americano with a little half and half, which is one of my uh, frequent orders uh, for a month. That's $4 a month. You can get free episodes of the show, stuff that other people don't get to hear. And that's sometimes where the real magic happens. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to support the show. Let us get into it with topic number one. Okay, so... 
It's a given in American life that if you get more education, you'll end up earning more in your lifetime. Education equals money. But what if that's changing or what if there are enough exceptions so as to neuter this long-held belief? Um, I feel like, by the way, in the interest of transparency, I should tell you both that I have a secret desire to be a plumber. Uh, I have I have three, literally three Ivy League degrees, but I think about being a plumber all the time. And we can get into that. And this is actually, this is the first time I've said it out loud. Uh, so I, I said it to my husband and he sort of didn't take me seriously. I hope that you all take me seriously. Um, my, I have a backed just, up sink that needs so, fixing. So if you want a test I'm, run. I mean, that's exactly. I I may actually come to your apartment and unclog your. I'm so interested in actually doing that. Okay, but you would let's make get so into much money. Like, that's part of it. I would make so, so much money. And people, if I did it well, people would love me. Like there's a, a plumber that we end up having to call. I swear to God, like twice a year. And he, we love, we treat him like just a, a, a some sort of god because of what he can do to fix our problems. Um, He's so he, basically he, been inside your tubes. You, sh- he knows all your secrets. <laughs> like you should be nice to him. Plumbers and gynecologists, one yeah. and the same. They've been in there. Uh, So let's get into this question about vocational training. Uh, Should we be emphasizing college less and vocational training more? What do you think, Liz? Honestly, I'm like so 100% behind this. So my my little brother started going to art school, dropped out, and then years later started doing like blacksmithing when we're Uh, woodworking and stuff. And I remember, and my dad was very like school, school, school. And then he found out how much you make blacksmithing. Like you're an independent contractor. It maybe costs, let's say a couple thousand to get the equipment, but then there's a certain type of blacksmithing. You would make like a hundred thousand dollars a year. There's like 14 people that do it. Like it's, some of it is just the fact that we have a bunch of, like, we don't need any more lawyers. Like, I'm right. Like, you're boring. <laughs> no, and that's just, exactly it. You like hurt people. Like, they're always scound, like, to me, they're like bottom feeders, as opposed to, like, you said about your plumber. Like, I've had a plumber come out twice in the last six months, and he's my new best friend. Like, exactly. He invited me to like a Seder or something, and I was like, I'll be there. Like, you tell me what I can and can't bring. Like, I am so. I'm so with you, Ari. Like, I will never hurt you if you don't hurt me. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. And um, I can I mad? I'm going to I'm going to blow your mind with some actual statistics in the years 2017 to 2019. On average, 16 percent of high school graduates, 23 percent of people that had some college and 28 percent of associate degree holders earned more money than half of all workers with a bachelor's degree. Uh, what what do you think of those statistics? Where do they make you lean? Yeah, I regret every choice I've ever made in life. This is all <laughs> this is all this story is doing to me is filling me with rage at myself. Um, mostly that the bank is still expect me. They're still asking me to pay back my loans. And I just I the well, audacity well, of oh that. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that college doesn't help you get a job, but most of those vocational schools do. Like, that's also the kind of the crap of it is that they that like you go to school. Sometimes they let you make up your own major and you're like, I shouldn't be allowed to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like like but they don't care because they're getting money and their job is borderline slightly education, but mostly just taking your money. And then these vocationary schools, you have a skill. We all know with our training during a pandemic and a soon to be apocalypse, you're going to need skills. And I don't think anybody here has any skills that'll be helpful during an apocalypse. Sorry to be, you know, generalizing. That's why part of that's why I want to do plumbing. I feel like I don't know how to do anything. Yeah. You know, plumbing will be the first to go. Uh, <laughs> in an apocalypse do you think we're going to be using toilets no well no, no, no that's true well that there's something to that and and i and i will say just like on in my own defense that i do know a few things about gardening um people who listen to who are enthusiastic listeners of our ads know that i have a lettuce grow system and i've made my own like lettuce on a the balcony in new york city oh my god i eat so many salads that's not a virtue signal. It's just 
out of laziness. It's because I don't know how to cook. But uh, okay, so here I'm going to throw out some more statistics. And again, I'm not trying to make the three of us feel terrible about our life choices, but it's true that air traffic controllers, construction inspectors, respiratory therapists, and cardiovascular technicians all earn more or about the same as the median bachelor degree holder. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, again, I think the, the other thing is there's this whole world of when you're trying to be, when you're trying to make it as an artist, you get a job as a waitress, you know, or a server and a barista and a store clerk, right? Like these are the jobs that you kind of do to make ends meet while you're becoming, you know, a, a, a world famous comedian like Liz. However... There's this whole other world of why haven't we tried to do, why wasn't I a plumber trying to make it as a comedian? You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't I an electrician? Well, I think also those things, you don't have to really train much and you don't have to get specialized. You just still do have to go to school. It still does take anywhere from six months to two years. Because my thing is I was always going to be a personal trainer. So I was like, what if I quit comedy and just become a personal trainer and just pretend, like try to wipe off the internet of everything I've done. And then I'll be like stretching out some girl's legs and she'll be like, you're so funny. You should be a comedian. I'd be like, oh, I could never. And just like forget that whole life. <laughs> but there is a part of me that's always had this backup of something that I'm passionate about that that is like kind of labor intensive or skill based. But I never, I always try to believe in myself. Always a dumb idea sometimes. <laughs> that's weird. Okay. But, but it, it's it's not as simple as like it is like basically intensive and it's anywhere, like I said, from six months to two years and you have to invest money and time. So if you aren't going to do it, like it's not good. Like the goal was always to do comedy. So I don't know if that's always if you know how some people had a job before this and then they get into comedy and they're like, do they have money? Like, why are they? Why is their yes. life so much easier? That I always was jealous of that because I was the waitress. I was the temp. I was right. the babysitter. As was I. Yeah. But so I was I, also I, I also had like a career track job as a policy advisor. So there was a time where I I did I did all of the training. I did yeah. all of the training. But the thing is, it's I, I mean, and I guess this is true about being a plumber and electrician is that it's hard to do those non-seriously. Like, yes. and, you know, it was hard for me to be a policy advisor by day and a comedian by night. I did it, you know, but it was it was difficult and uh, and then at a certain point, deeply inappropriate. Um, but it, <laughs> I mean, I know. became I became a casual plumber during the pandemic. I feel, I feel like we're all we all kind of became part time <laughs> vocational workers. <laughs> like you know, I I fixed so many things in my apartment. I I, I feel like that's an insult. That's an insult to Reggie and his vast knowledge of what he has done in my apartment. <laughs> like I'm, I'm you're right. It is. You wouldn't be able to do what he has done. Bless his heart forever. Uh, so here's something hilarious. In China, they're um they're embracing the German model. So apparently, the Germans have been doing this. They've been, um, you know, not emphasizing academic institutions as much. Met a lot of Germans, they enter what they call dual training. So they'll do an apprenticeship, um, and they split their time between classrooms and a vocational school and on the job training at a company. So they're kind of getting a little bit both. Um, you know, both sides of that world, uh, because he, the thing with China, China no longer wants young university graduates without practical skills because they have been the highest source of unemployment and, quote, <laughs> social discontent. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> they are unhappy motherfuckers, the ones with university degrees over there. Um, and yeah, in fact, the unemployment rate for degree holders age 20 to 24 in China is 19.3 percent. But wow. the, the unemployment rate for the overall uh, country is only 5 percent. So they're heavily o overrepresented among the unemployed. Uh, like having, And I uh, here's my here's I want to pitch something to America. What if we did a thing where because this is I, what I love about college is that it kind of makes you a well-rounded person like and it gives you certain social skills and it puts you in front of people and it's fast tracks all of that kind of being able to work in groups and all of that and just the socialization in this four year period. 
And so I think that we really, even if you don't do anything with your college degree, as I have not technically, um, you, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any other way. I'm glad I did all of those degrees. I really do, I feel like I really got something out of it personally, but I do wish there was something more practical that I had done in school. So I feel like we should encourage people to go to college, but there should be vocational stuff that they could also learn in college while they're reading Yates so that you can go and be an electrician and slash poet or whatever. Uh, and then we should just get those skills in college. College should be a little bit more, uh, you know, recognizing that they're pumping out people with no practical skills. Well, I took like, like in college, I had like, um, so I went to the new school, which is all fluffy anyway. So you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I didn't have half the reason I went, I'm dyslexic and I didn't have to take um, a math or a science. And I was like, and they accepted me. And I was like, oh my God, I just, even being dyslexic, I'd rather write a paper than take a test. And so uh-huh. my degree means nothing in the best of times, but I, <laughs> but I do wish in high school and in college, like you take like home ec in high school. Like I learned how to sew because of high school and stuff. But like, I do wish like I now being an adult, there's certain skills that like my dad has taught me some stuff, but I do wish like, I definitely would have taken an electrician school. There's definitely some computer stuff that I wish I took like things that, because the truth of the matter is I'm very curious, but I am now busy and stubborn as an adult that I'd rather throw money I don't have at the problem than, yes. than and, you know and what I'm, your, I'm not your brain, gonna, your brain gets have. so stubborn you can't yes. learn new things as easily. Or I could, but I don't want to spend six months of doing this. I have to make money. Like I like yeah. I wish I knew it, but I need to go make money. But my high school did a, a dual thing that you could um I think on Fridays you could go get a like a nursing degree. So I had a couple of friends that like they they senior year they would go and they would start their nursing program so that they only had one year after high school to become a nurse oh as opposed God, to Oh my god, that's amazing. So, and we do have a nor- nursing shortage in this country and they are super important and de- depending on how many like what type of RN you become, you do make more money. The same with, I have a friend that's a mechanic that makes more money than his wife, who's a veterinarian, because it was only two years for him to do what he needed to do. Plus every like new thing he learns, it just makes his hourly rate go up. So I I also think we push it on people that don't know what they want to be when they grow up. So why wouldn't the first year of college be more vocational so that you can kind of have like a, like a, taste test of a bunch of different stuff and find out what you like. Well, folks, this topic bleeds in so well to our next topic. I'm going to end it right there, but we're going to pick up a a, a sister issue. But first, we are going to take a quick break so we can learn about our wonderful sponsors to fake the nation and keep our lights on. And then when we come back, we'll, um, we'll continue on an adjacent issue. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things, and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app, and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money, and because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry, thank God, Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you, so you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels 
unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and rocket money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. back and we're ready for topic number two okay so we read a piece in the atlantic called hot streaks in your career don't happen by accident it's by Derek thompson and i really loved this piece i totally think everyone should read it he points out this phenomenon that there are basically certain spans of time where people seem to be their most productive like aretha franklin was in the 60s or steve jobs was in the 2000s and they call these bursts of creativity hot streaks and it's across all fields science technology entertainment whatever and happens to everyone famous not famous it doesn't matter and like it can happen so my first question for the two of you is how have you noticed this phenomenon of of hot streaks among people you admire, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be the one who like finds the depression in absolutely everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> even though you know I host Unhappy Hour, that is kind of my thing. But I I feel like yeah, I'm like, what if I had my hot streak already? How is this supposed to make me feel good? <laughs> I'm done. Right. I peaked already. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I want a story that's like, no, everyone, can, you can hot streak every three years and just, yeah, we're all going to be productive for the rest of our lives. This actually felt adjacent to like a like an article that Malcolm Gladwell had. They basically were trying to figure out, like, when are you your most creative? And they looked at, they basically asked, like, everybody, what are the best poems? So they found the 10 best poems of all time. And then they found out what age each poet wrote it. And it was right. all over the place. One was 18. Another one was 70. One was 55. And so at first they were just like, oh, like, what does this mean? But they really came down to like, some people just need to experience something once. And they just, it just, it comes in and they know how to be whatever. And then other people, so you, your prodigies will say, then other people need to experience it over and over again, live this full life, like just over and over. And then through experience and time, that's when they shine the best. So my whole thing as somebody that like, clearly, I hope I haven't peaked. I'm just like, oh, I'll be awesome <laughs> Liz, I'm, I'm so sorry. And- I'm, so, I'm so sorry, Liz. This <laughs> podcast is an intervention. You peaked <laughs> and... <laughs> Hot streaks are over. No! It's over. <laughs> but as somebody that's a slow learner, as somebody that does need more time to like process stuff, like it actually made me kind of relax a little bit, a little m- more than this Hot Streaks article, because it basically was just like, depending on how you take in information and you take in creatively and how you create as somebody that takes longer to create stuff, my time and where I'm going to feel best. Cause what is it? All of Hollywood is like, you need to be, you need to be 17 and the most creative you've ever been. And we're going to put all the money behind you. But when did we just start disregarding experience and, and, and the fact that 20 years of doing something clearly makes you better than three years of doing something. So even when I get sad about all the three-year people making it, I go, I know I'm better 20 years in than three years in. Right. Yeah, it's sort of like you don't want a surgeon who's who's it's his first week on the job, you know? Yeah. You you want you want uh the the woman who's been doing it forever. Um and and it's it's interesting because you're right there isn't they so in this piece they talked about um, how these researchers are really trying to figure out how these hot streaks work. And they had this this notion that it was age-related because, like, Nobel Prize winning um, 
insights and landmark technological contributions tend to happen between the ages of 35 and 40. Um, another analysis of like jazz musicians specifically found that a lot of their musical productivity rises steadily until the age of 40 and then declines sharply, which I thought was depressing. Uh, so so they were like, no, none of that's right. So that, that they've kind of discredited the idea that it's even that it's age related in any way. This is this is the thing they found. And I'm curious to know what you think about it, Matt. It's the, the it all boils down to these these hot streaks as they have appeared in people like Aretha Franklin and Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is they basically happen after a period of exploit uh, exploration where they're just like experimenting, testing things out, learning and mm-hmm. then a period of exploitation uh that does that sort of make sense to you as as someone who also you know as a comedian uh who has to like produce a lot of work all the time right yeah i mean if anything there is some sense of comfort in knowing that like there is i feel like the conventional wisdom is often that you're sort of working uphill 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 and that you're working towards some you know eventual climax in your career and there is kind of comfort in thinking of it in terms of you know there's going to be peaks and in valleys and the you know you may peak after this period of uh, you know exploitation and all of that but but that yeah that's not the that's not the end. <laughs> there may be another hot streak although I don't know I if, apparently if for musicians after 40, you might as well fuck <laughs> off. throw in a towel. No, but I mean, I, I was actually, I was, I guess I was really uplifted by this piece. Uh, Liz, I, I, I think I heard you say that you experienced some anxiety from this piece. But I was uplifted by this piece because it almost, it, it sort of suggested that you can almost engineer yeah. a hot streak, right? Because period, so, you know, one of the things they said is, only when periods of trial and error are followed right away by periods of deliberate focus does the probability of a hot hot streak increase significantly and i think as like a comedian or or a filmmaker i there have been moments where i've like i felt i you know specifically let's say with comedy you're working on a joke and you can feel in your bones that the joke is ready right to to go you know, into a special or, you know, on the road, whatever it is, a big, a big mm-hmm. huge show, whatever it is, right? Um, you can sort of feel in your bones when you're experimenting with a new type of joke telling. If it's working, if it's not working, you abandon, you try something else, you would do it, you know. Um, and and then, but the, but the, the big, I think, question mark for a lot of people, especially, you know, in the arts and like, let's say in technology, is like, when do you stop like fucking around and then just be like okay I'm gonna stop and now is when I try and sell it and you know what I mean like, well I think we've all heard those make stories. money off of it yeah we've all heard those stories of somebody that just keeps writing a book they never get published yeah it's, like, it's a thousand yes. pages but yeah. I mean the best thing I I have it somewhere I it's in a box so they just moved but I had a postcard on my desk that I bought for a dollar at Barnes and Nobles that just says an artist is someone who finishes things and it was yeah. so important because I think we all we all are kind of always like it could be better or I don't know if this is done or, you know, I could I'm going to get better, whatever it is. But I do think it's a, you know, experiment, get better, try different things. And then eventually you have to package it and get it away. And that's the other thing I've noticed with friends is that they make their first album or they make their first short film or whatever they do. And then they're like, oh, no, I haven't had to start over in years. And I don't know if I know how to do it. And you're like, you absolutely know how to do it. You've done it before. It's just that it's been so long since you were without anything, without the comfort of some joke that always works or some, you know, basis of how you, you start things that you're scared to be page one again. But I think the more times that you go to page one, experimenting would probably be how they say it, the easier it gets. So as somebody that's done three albums and like a special and is pretty much almost on their fourth every time that feeling of starting over is so uncomfortable you're just like miserable but once you get 10 minutes you're just like oh yeah I know how to write I'm funny 
this is, you know, who cares? But I think, like Matt said, that up and down, it's about getting comfortable with the up and down and whether that's just producing something new or being a different version of yourself. Yeah, and in the parlance of this article, this it's like you need to be comfortable with periods of failure yes. because that failure can amount to some growth. Um, but only when we, you know, it's it's sort of like, it's like it's sort of like the getting to the 10 minutes is so difficult and so annoying and i also think um getting you know that the you know the writer that hasn't that's that's got a thousand page book that they won't finish it's literally the last five percent that i think is it's it's like the first five percent are is so tough as you mentioned like the first 10 minutes and then the last five percent just being like i need to end it like and let me fix like how do I end it I think those are two of the hardest periods but that that are um you know I'm curious if they have a word for that in this research in this um period of exploration exploitation that like I think can stump people from getting into the part where they're exploiting and in this case it's like actually getting the book published or actually getting an album or actually getting a, you know, whatever, an, an iPhone made, you know? Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I think of it in terms of, like, writing. I'm one of those people who, like, you know, like any writer, it's like you hate writing. You hate the practice of writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah, I am absolutely that person who, like, will write a thousand pages and be like, no, 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 it's not ready yet. Um, but I feel like all of the, all of the, wisdom is like don't don't kind of obsess over creating a, a a finished product this is almost the opposite of what you're saying a little bit it's it's just you have to you have to sort of fall in love with just the process of writing and creating itself to potentially no end and and you know it's it's the falling in love with the process and the act of doing it that gets you going and gets you producing um Instead of standing in front of like a painting and being like, I can only start once I know what the painting is going to look like. It's like, no, no, no. You just have to start putting paint right. on the on the wall um, or wherever people paint, you know, the wall, the <laughs> yeah, ceiling. Yeah, walls, their own walls. <laughs> but yeah, and then, the, the you know, the streaks will follow. Right. And and so one the other thing that this piece pointed out again I it's not common that I'm I like read a piece and I'm like oh my god yes uh but this is one of those pieces that I do think you should read it the they talked about the American ethos is basically like that person's a prodigy let's capitalize on them as opposed to the the reality is people who are like that person can't seem to hold down a job they keep skipping from one thing to the next <laughs> let's capitalize on them right it turns out people who switch jobs are actually more frequently right in the in the early part of their career end up having higher wages and higher incomes in their prime working years because that job hopping in the early time uh, created so many, so much in the exploration and failure uh, uh, trajectory that then led to a, a final product that was an exploitation and a hot streak, essentially. Uh, it's very kind of un-American for us to look at some a person that's just like, I don't know, I'm just working it out. I'm thinking, I'm trying this, I'm trying that. It's like very un-American for us to look at a person who's doing that and being like, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like it it, it does, you know, we don't really do that. What I, do you think? I started reading a book that I didn't finish uh, called, <laughs> called Range, that that's the whole thesis of the book is that we talk about specialization and that's what we do to ourselves and to our kids. One, the world doesn't look like that anymore. Like our, like even our parents' generation, our, like my parents had their same job, but they say our parents' generation is probably about four jobs. Our generation is probably going to be seven or eight and the next generation is going to be even more. But all that being said, the the whole point of the book range was basically each failure is a set of skills that you learn that's going to make you so unique when you do figure out what you want to do. So almost to back what we started before, if you did go to vacation, vocational school, let's say you learn plumbing, but it's not your thing. You do it for two years, but then you're just like, okay, I'm going to be a CrossFit trainer. So you do CrossFit for two years and then you get into tech. The skills you learned and the way you see things because of plumbing and CrossFit is going to make you this weird, unique tech person because you have so much weird skillage and the right. way you see the world. Right. 
And we have to stop being brutal to people that try things out and it might not be what they want because you're making this unique set of knowledge and making you a unique person for the thing you do fall in love with. Right. No, that's 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 exactly it. Um, Matt, uh, final thoughts on whether or not uh, like has this changed like reading about this phenomenon of hot streaks changed anything about the way you might approach like your work going forward? I'm going to throw out the entire rule book, start from scratch, <laughs> completely re-engineer the way I do everything. I will be I will be engineering a hot streak from scratch. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, it is. It's it, it's funny because like, you know, again, I, I don't mean to make this so comedic sense so comedy centric, but um, it's like what I know. And I just feel like I am able to see it in so many people that they either are um, thwarting their own hot streak or they're in the middle of one, you know, like they're about to launch one. And I've, I feel like I've seen that. I've seen incredible periods of, I mean, Liz, we've, we've been working um, in a lot of the same venues over the last many years. And you see, we've both seen comedians that we started out being like, what the fuck are they doing? And who <laughs> yeah. are now like famous people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and. I mean, that's what I love about comedy is you're like, this degenerate is making six <laughs> figures that I can make it like they're this. Like, I've always loved comedy because we were always the misfits and the ones that didn't fit in. And then yeah. even within comedy, there's people that are like, hey, man, the least you could do is show up to your spot on time. Like right. that's the, that's the right. only right. thing you literally you get paid even if you bomb just show up <laughs> and then I'll be so shocked that the person that never showed up on time has a TV show. And I'm like, what? Like, right, so this business right, has right. taken everything my dad taught me about being like a good person in society and how to be a, like a stable human. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, dad, there's this guy making more money than the both of us. And he doesn't shower. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us not throw out a basic human decency. <laughs> But uh, folks, let me know. Uh, write at me on all of the social media platforms that do that are not involved in hot streaks. By the way, they, I think they probably thwart hot streaks. But write me on any of those platforms and let me know if you've experienced this hot streak phenomenon. Do you see it happen? Has this affected um, the way you look at your own career in any way? All right, and let us get into topic number three. So this is a segment where we wash our hands, put on our antibacterial surgical gloves, and dip into the cultural grab bag um, on what everyone's talking about. First up, Thanksgiving. Uh, is immunization at Thanksgiving an issue? And what are you going to do about it? Like, I mean, you know, we, we probably all have varied plans, but has that come up? And Thanksgiving or the holidays in general, um, Matt, has that come up for you at all? Yeah, I mean, I come from a family where everybody is like one sneeze away from absolutely keeling over. So we're, we've been like incredibly <laughs> careful about everything. Uh, uh -huh. And so, yeah, but fortunately, everybody is is vaccinated. Uh, but yeah, it sucks that we have to like it's another it's another year where we have to kind of be cautious about do we really want to get 20, 25 people in a room together indoors in 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 cold weather and sit around and open our mouths around one another <laughs> and, and uh liz do you have any anyone in your family that you that like is making it an uncomfortable thanksgiving or christmas time for you i feel really fortunate like i'm from a large family like my immediate family is large i'm one of five kids so our thanksgivings are pretty just us so like we're all on the same page. I think when you start to get to like aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff, you always have yeah. like some rogue cousin that's like, you know, I haven't, I didn't go to the doctor ever and I don't believe in vaccines. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's nice. I'm glad I only see you once a year. <laughs> but like we, we kind of, it was getting so big and so overwhelming that we kind of put the kibosh on that like 10 years ago. So I feel fortunate that like we all have the same parents. Therefore we're all on the same page. And I'm very close with all my siblings that I'm not, Literally, I bring my my roommate uh, every year and we're close friends as well. So it's like it's just all of us on the same page. Like I read that article and I was like, oh, I'm so glad we don't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I most of my family, as everybody knows, is in Iran. Um, but I have a few, you know, I have a handful of cousins Um 
in America. And so we do, you know, make every effort to see them um, every Christmas. I, not not for Thanksgiving, but um, at Christmas, you know, we really, we try and get that Muslim Christmas going. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I do have a couple cousins who, like, last time I checked, you know, maybe a month ago, they were not vaccinated. I don't know if their opinion, I don't know if things have changed. And it's interesting because we're so few in number in America um, as this particular Iranian family that I feel really strongly that I need to keep in touch with these people that I can't, you know, that, you know, I need, I... I try even harder because I'm like, now, especially now that I have a kid, because I'm like, well, I want her to know other Iranians. And I don't know very many except for like I have a handful of, you know, a couple of cousins who like live here and let I need to capitalize on that. And we need to be a family to each other because there just aren't many of us. And um, we don't have the luxury of being around them. Uh, and I literally have like hundreds of other family members in Iran. We don't have the luxury of being around them. So it's it's so I'm so annoyed that they aren't just more like, yeah, let's just get the vaccine so that we could see everybody and it's not a big deal. Like, it's I annoying. I you're going to go in a different direction where you're going to be like, there's not that many of us. We can't die. Like, not even <laughs> well, there's also, each yeah. other. Like, I'm waiting for you to be like, hey, there's like 17 of us in America. Let's keep like... What are you doing? I mean, no, exa- I mean that's but and that's part of it. That's part of it, right? It's it's. It, I just I'm so annoyed because it's so important for me to keep in contact with them, and it and I am also like I have parents who are like older, and my dad is a surgeon, and I don't need him to be exposed to even more crazy things than what he's exposed yeah. to all the time, like up in people's lungs and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I have a toddler and she can't get vaccinated. So come on, you guys. Like, it's just I find it frustrating. And I frankly don't know what I'm going to do. I also I, I don't know. Would you guys be insulted if you were my cousin and I asked you to take a rapid test before like super hanging out with my toddler? Absolutely Would not. You- no, I was telling this to my mom because my mom was was like, you know, are we who are we going to invite? I had one cousin who was a holdout for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, no, he's not coming. He's not coming to Thanksgiving. He's not coming to Christmas. I don't care. He can cry or he could take a test. Those rapid tests, honestly, they're fun. No, they're great. They're great. They're fast. They're they're you they're very accurate. I mean, I think by and large. And and things are much quicker than they were before. You used to have to wait hours in line, and now I think a lot, I got one a couple of weeks ago, and it took ten minutes. But I was gonna say, why don't we start? Because like you know, when you put your avails in for clubs, they like yeah. especially in the beginning, they were like, "Are you vaccinated? Please email your vaccination card," because that's what you know what the mandate was for for us. But it would be actually just having like a Google thing that's like. Are you vaccinated? Would you be willing to get a COVID test? Here are some places you can get it. Would you be willing to send like, and just basically, and you can even say in there, I have a child, you know, my parents are 70, whatever you want to say. And this is would make me feel comfortable. It hasn't, I do not care what you do in your own life. Yeah. This is about you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, To enter my house. This is what would make me feel safe. And isn't the holidays about not giving people measles, right? Wasn't that what Thanksgiving (laughs) was about? Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) We're all like, hey, everybody, before we break bread, can we show our vaccination cards? And then, of course, the white people lied. And that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. I don't I'm not really good with history, but I think this is accurate. <laughs> OK, I, I like that. Let us move on to another uh, related issue in the cultural grab bag. It's Aaron Rodgers lied about his fact status. He is, I've learned recently, a very famous football player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, same, same. <laughs> Matt, were you like, why is this one random guy trending constantly for 10 days? That I, w- I was just like, can we all stop talking about Aaron Rodgers? I've never heard of him before, but apparently everyone has heard of him before. Um, Liz, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' son, right? I don't. Yeah, it's Shailene Woodley's boyfriend. Is that's how I refer to him? (laughs) That's oh right, and that might make more sense for our listener. It is is Shailene Woodley's boyfriend, and it makes more sense to why he's anti-vax. Yeah, well, so is she anti-vax? 
she is like a walking, like, uh, you know, I don't know. She, she, she's the type of person who like eats sand because of its medicinal properties. Like she right. is absolutely not taken any, I don't think she even t- does Tylenol. It's like right. that level of. No ibuprofen in this house. Right. Um. Well, Liz, what did you think about a, like a football player who had said, I think the big part of the story was that he had said that he was immunized so like a, d- a few months ago. Yeah. And so d- his version of immunization was not exactly a vaccine. So Liz, yeah. what, did, what did you make of this? Well, so my question is, do they have a mandate the way like New York has a mandate or comedy clubs have a mandate like that you have to? Because I know it d- well, for certain sports. Com- comedians have such a higher standard than football I know, players. That's what's happening. Um, I actually know. I don't think that, the, that football has done a mandate. The only reason okay. they found out that he wasn't immunized is because he got COVID. Yeah. Um, and then it all came out that he actually, the way he thought he was immunized. I don't know. I don't mean to make fun of this, but he took <laughs> ivermectin, the horse dewormer. Um, and Which then he is... talked to Joe Rogan about ways of immunizing himself. So then he said he to consulted. like the football, he consulted. That's right. He consulted Dr. Joe Rogan. Um, and I say that sarcastically. Uh, and 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 the football coalition, whatever they're called, were. And he asked them like, "Hey, I'm doing this horse thing, and I'm doing a Joe Rogan thing. Like, is that enough? Like, I, can you call that immunized?" And they were like, "Absolutely not." Um, but that's yeah. what he was he was referring to as being immunized. So this is what I don't understand. If we're treating drugs for animals as human drugs, then why aren't we seeing veterinarians for human problems? Because both my parents are veterinarians. It is Ooh, technically cheaper. I didn't cheaper. know that about you. I will say this almost, it is kind of like certain things are the same drugs. So I do have a lot of stuff that says for cats and dogs only that now <laughs> was hilarious. Now it look, makes me look super suspicious. But yeah. The truth of the matter is, if we're going to treat veterinarians as doctors, then we should continue that trend. And then I'm going to just start seeing my parents for full doctor stuff. I'll be like, oh, I don't have to go through my health. <laughs> like, it's just like, what are you doing? And like, it, the logic just doesn't make sense. It's for a horse. It's not even for this situation. But you've decided because somebody wrote a blog and that we're hiding it. It's a free vaccine. What are they trying to do? You get a yeah. hundred yeah, dollars get- in New York City. Why you refuse a vaccine that has been tested more than any other vaccine ever, um, but you'll take a drug for literal horses? (laughs) Preventatively, apparently. Also, you're just not as cool as a horse. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're just not. Like, their hair is better than his hair. I'll start with that. Like, majestic Wow. All right. I'm I'm throwing stuff down. Uh, Also, his job... his job is getting bashed in the head like that. <laughs> have we did we forget about how like all football players are are pretty much, you know, not doing great because of how much impact they're getting to the skull? Like, I don't really know why so many people are taking medical advice from this. Well, man. like the, the, the funny thing is that I so he was actually really apparently um, upset that he felt like he's being crucified by this news. Uh, and I think the thing about it that's so disconcerting is that you're an extremely public figure and you let everyone to believe you're vaccinated. It's sort of like he knows that I that a horse dewormer isn't the same, but he sort of let everyone to believe it. Um and it's so, and it, it it's just very dangerous because again, he like you don't know like what you're a, dealing with. What if you walk? What if you're dealing with an immunocompromised person? Like clearly, like you know, your horse dewormer didn't work. You like got COVID anyway. I mean, the 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 the, the it's the lying part that I think. Well, that's um, doesn't that crazy. sound so privileged though? Is that he goes, I lied. Why is everybody so upset about it? Yeah, like exactly. yeah. To yeah, me, he weird. comes across as such a rich privileged person to be like I lied and everybody's acting like like 
it would be, it's the same exact thing with a kid where they're just like, if you didn't lie, I would be less upset. And you're like, exactly, oh. exactly. It's the line. Okay, but well, let's move on. It, let's move on to our final uh, topic from the grab bag. Uh, so there was an article that was going around from the Wall Street Journal last week on toxic positivity. Um, Matt, this feels like the uh, something that you maybe would in your podcast <laughs> would grab onto. Can True. you explain? To can you explain toxic positivity? to our listeners. Toxic positivity is when um, you you try to assure someone that things could be worse or it's basically a way of deflecting someone's um, complaining or deflecting them, uh, venting to you uh, by, by being positive when really what they want you to say is, yeah, that fucking sucks. And I'm sorry to hear that. So, you know. Right. I, so, I yeah, despise it's, it's it. The it's the world of like, you know, buck up, like think positive, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, Liz, where are you on toxic positivity? Do you find that a lot of people treat like setbacks with with toxic positivity or just some uh, a couple of idiots? I have a one liner. I could never turn into a full joke that it summarizes everything. I go, <laughs> my parents were raised Catholic, but I was raised self-help. <laughs> my dad is so obsessed with self-help books yeah i yeah. own all of them i did an episode of my own podcast where me and my friend uh, uh maria who i do the podcast with i counted i have 30 of them that are just physical that doesn't count like you know the ones on my kindle or like anything else and the truth of the matter is is that i was raised that you just have to like it'll be fine and you just have to be prepared and and, and you could do anything and then through therapy and being like a person I realized that I was just like pushing away every like like reality almost in a way. And that sometimes you do just want somebody to be like, yeah, that fucking sucks. Like, yes, yeah. you have to go through the process. Like if you have a leak in your home and it wasn't your fault, you're allowed to be like, this is a bad day and this sucks and this is going to cost money and this is inconvenient and I don't have time. And through processing that, you can go, okay, so what can I do? And then you take the next steps. But like I spent my whole life not being able to process any emotion because I was told that anything other than positivity was bad and it's just not. So, okay. So I'm going to tell you guys a little personal story about this, which is that I, so I do the, the NPR show, wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, uh, I'm a, I'm a frequent panelist for that show. And this was a joke. We did a live show in Chicago last week. It was really fun. And this was uh, on the, one of the things on the panel that we talked about was toxic positivity. And I said, on the show um there's you know i've gotten two emails from your you know five million listeners that complain about me laughing during shows <laughs> and i feel like those two people coined the term toxic positivity like uh, there is also this tr to me and okay so i say this thing they put it in the sh in the final cut of the show whatever it goes out on the onto the, on the radio and on podcast i then get two emails again mo mo many, many 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 emails and d dms and posts in support of my laugh like you know, Nagin, please don't stop laughing or whatever. And I was like, so Aww. grateful for that because, you know, um, it's uh, it's weird to get emails telling you that your laugh sucks. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but but I so I got so many messages of support, but I got two emails that were like your take on toxic positivity led me to believe that you're a parent who doesn't exercise empathy and i'm really concerned for your child what? and here are some parenting resources so that there's wow that. and then another person told me that i clearly like you know didn't um uh have like empathy you know I, I clearly couldn't empathize or whatever with people who are going through cancer treatments um because i <laughs> embrace toxic that i embraced positivity or whatever and it was just a big these crazy leaps you know what i mean and again like look bless those people i'm glad they listened to the show i'm 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 i i wish that my joke was clearer to them um and that the, my joke didn't it might paint me to be a psychopath, uh, but it's interesting because I think the other thing is happening right now, which is that there's a whole culture of supporting curmudgeonly, like, don't hang out with people, don't say hi to your neighbor, don't enjoy things. Like, there is a culture of that right now. It's very trendy to be curmudgeonly. And I am, I don't like that, you know? And I feel like a think piece on toxic positivity is another 
way of of doing that of being negative and being you know snarky and being you know all that um i'm gonna fight you on that only because i've seen it like my life is it being used to like and then maybe it's because my mom is negative and curmudgeonly and my dad i think is just denying that life is hard and he just this is what he had to do to survive but i think it's it's I think it it can be negative. And I I am a positive person. I genuinely do want to see the positivity, but there's something, there's a disconnect between putting that on other people. And I think that's more what it's about as opposed to, it's not saying that you can't be positive and that your joy is somehow hurting people. It's saying that like, if I came to you and was like, Hey, my cat died. I, I, I know I shouldn't be this upset about a cat, but I'm just, I'm devastated. And you go, well, just get another cat. I'd be like, that's, right. No, which, that's, right, which is not something that I do, which is not something that no, I do. And I don't think you um, would because yeah. you being positive isn't considered toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is when you put positivity into situations that just need, like Matt said, empathy or thoughtfulness or pre- just being present or being right. human. And it's like right. this lack of human feelings that is being taken out of what is somewhat a hard life. No, I hear that, that, that I think a more nuanced, um, you know, description of it, I feel like is, yeah, I, I, I think what happened to me in the, the, the minor backlash I received is because, uh, well, I was making a joke and, yes, um, and you so can't do that, that anymore. No more jokes for you. But but also that like you know and, and and because I do get sometimes just like hey hate me all about laughing, um, it, it's like this weird like people are not can't handle someone. <laughs> good time right now anyway which is a different issue altogether (laughs) folks let me know what do you think of toxic positivity or the various nuances um therein uh i'm so curious to know what it's uh you know what what you've experienced on that Okay, folks, that is the end of the show. And before we leave, I just want to thank everyone who's been writing Apple reviews. Uh, people like um, Ekalexi, who I think I'm probably mispronouncing that, but they give us five stars. They wrote, love Nagi and the right blend of funny and insightful to make political discussions palatable. Um, thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. Wanger Hilton also gave us five stars and wrote, this is a good podcast. A lot like, wait, wait, don't tell me, which is where I first heard Nagin. And I love that there is a little Venn diagram of wait wait and and fake the nation occurring so thank you so much uh please uh write an, a review of the show on apple podcast because it really does make a difference in people finding the show it really helps us out so please um take a minute to do that no one as far as i can tell yet has um has is has taken up the challenge of incorporating a poop emoji in a positive way on <laughs> their review. So I'm still looking for someone to take on that challenge. Uh, but I'll also take any emojis. This is not an emoji heavy audience. So uh, and I, I I like that about you guys. Um, uh, but uh, feel free um, to to go for it, and we would love to see your reviews on Apple Podcast and and to read them out loud on the show. But what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow both of you and the amazing things you do. Matt Bellasai, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me all over the internet at Matt Bellasai, and my podcast is Unhappy Hour, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I'm performing live. I'll be in, in Delaware and in Syracuse and in Chicago and in Indianapolis. So I tweet and, and share all of my dates all the time. So look oh me up. Oh, my God. I am, so, you know, now that I'm a fan of Unhappy Hour, I cannot wait to see you perform live. Uh, folks, absolutely look up Matt and definitely go see him perform and, and listen to the podcast. He's so great. Uh, Liz Mealy, where do people find you? Uh, everything is at Liz Mealy, M-I-E-L-E. And I have two out of my three hours are free on YouTube. Um, I have a book called Why Cats Are Assholes. Uh and I <laughs> I have a podcast called Two Non-Doctors where we talk about medical stuff with little to no accuracy. And uh, I'm also touring. So you can see me in Seattle, um, uh, Sunnyvale, California, uh, L.A., and a bunch of other, I think, ca- mostly California dates right now uh, coming up. And, and again, here's someone I can vouch for. I've seen her perform for years here in New York City. And, uh, and, and you're just, you definitely will, and I guarantee it. 
will have a great time if you go see her perform. So definitely follow those dates. Look up those specials. Uh, you will absolutely not be sorry. Um, and folks, you know, I, uh, I've i just been doing the rounds. I was on Unhappy Hour. Is that show already? Is that episode already out, Matt? Uh, not yet. So they have they have something to, to look forward Ooh, to. You have something to look forward to. I've also um, there's a there's also a Doughboys podcast also from the, the HeadGum family coming out so that you can find me on uh, a new episode of Star Talk that just dropped this week with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm I'm on there. Um, so check that out. It's a really great episode talking about like um, how Native Americans looked at the stars. Um, I was on last week's episode of Wait, Wait. And I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of Nerdette. All of this in a 10 day span. A lot of me and audio. So definitely. Definitely check out all those things. Of course, um, the Adult Swim um, Comedy Festival uh, on November 12th and 13th. Uh, all right, folks. What I would really love to do, though, is thank the people that make Fake the Nation possible. That's our wonderful producer, um, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our wonderful sound mixer um, and engineer, uh, Stephanie Aguilar. And uh, thanks, a special thanks to Mike Comte, who's here in the studio here at HeadGum with us today. And um, oh, just a, an extra special thanks to everyone at HeadGum that makes the show possible. Our theme music was written by the wonderful Gobby Alter. Uh, and um, and uh, again, you can write... Uh, email us at fakethenation at headgum.com uh, with any ideas you might have. You can uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will be back in your earballs next week. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>